The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Welcome to 1002 with your host, Mike Baker, an opportunity to pray for the harvest and receive a nugget of truth from God's word. All right, today will be the last West African people group for a little bit. We'll move to a different region. Uh, today, I just want to focus on the Manjakos. Uh, and the Manjakos are one of my favorite people group as well. Uh, when we lived in Africa, our cook was Manjako. Man, some of the best food you've ever had. And we had her cook for us our lunch each day to allow my wife time to homeschool, but more importantly, to just give her a job and provide for her. The Manjakos you can always recognize because they have a they have a big gap between their two front teeth. All of them, all of them have it. There's just a gap between their two front teeth and like, oh, that's a Manjako. It's amazing that when you live amongst different people groups in, in Africa, you can begin to tell the difference. You know, at first when you go over there, they all just look the same. But the longer we lived in Katel, you could see all the different people groups. And Katel was unique because it wasn't a village, it was just one people group. There was literally 10 different tribes living amongst each other in Katel. And you could definitely see the differences in their facial features and their bone structure and their teeth. And the Manjakos, again, are known for that gap in their teeth. The Manjakos are very, very animistic, probably more so than, than anyone else. Um, they're well known as people that make deals with spirits. In other words, they offer, they demand things of spirits, uh, of demons, and they often make contracts with them offering up even sometimes their own bodies or souls as a payment. And when they don't fulfill the payment, then they are tortured and tormented by those demons and by those spirits. They're well known for that. They are also known as the funeral goers. So a Manjaco person, even though if they move to the city or uh, have business, they will always return home for a funeral. They will always return back because it is so important that you please the ancestors to go to heaven. And so it doesn't matter how far it is, they will travel back to a funeral. And when we lived there, we would call them the professional funeral goers because they were always gone. They were always at a funeral. They were always celebrating or mourning or wailing at some sort of funeral. Most of them are farmers. Uh, Pretty much all of them are farmers. Very simple people that mostly live in uh, northern Guinea-Bissau. Some of them are in the southern parts of uh, Senegal and Gambia as well. There's a few that have migrated back up to France, but for the most part, they live in Guinea-Bissau. And these people need to know Jesus. Their name literally means, I tell you. So maybe it's your call to go tell them. Their name means, I tell you, and yet Jesus is the one they need to know. They need someone to say, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. So, Lord, we just pray for workers to be sent into the harvest. West Africa has so many opportunities, so many needs. We've talked about these over the last few days, the different people groups. But, Lord, they're so hungry and they're so willing and they want to hear and they want to listen. And so, Lord, just pour down on the floodgates of heaven onto West Africa. Send workers into that harvest to reach out to all these different people groups that are there. 
so that we can tell them the truth opposed to them telling us. Deuteronomy chapter 6 was a passage we used a lot while we were in West Africa. You know, one of the challenges of living over there is helping them figure out what to do with these traditions and these customs. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, I'm not going to read it all, but I encourage you to go read it today. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Okay, I'm going to read it all. One of the customs in West Africa is a baby naming ceremony. And so after baby is born, the baby and mother stay in the house for seven days. Again, this was in West Africa. I realize the continent's big and there might be different ceremonies. But in West Africa, the baby and mother stay in the house for seven days. At the end of seven days, there's a massive ceremony and the baby comes out and is given a name. Normally in that ceremony, there's different drink offerings and food offerings given to the spirits, to the ancestors, to protect this child, to give this child life. Generally, by the time the child has left the house, there's already some juju beads or something on its ankle or, or hand to have protection. And there's this massive ceremony celebrating the ancestors. Well, obviously, you don't want to take away the celebration of a baby being born, the celebration of life, the naming ceremony. And so I remember early on in our time there, we sat down with the Christians and said, how can we do this? How can we honor this? But yet glorify God. And so one of the things that we decided, really they decided, we just listened and guided, was they would continue with staying in the house seven days. They would continue leaving the house. The party was literally called a Sifora, or to come out. And so they would come out and they would name their child and they would have a party and they would invite their family and they'd have a big feast and there would be juice and tea and hot milk and even maybe some soda or Coke. But the thing that they did different is there was no sacrifice. They said, we're not going to do sacrifices anymore. We know we don't need to do that. And instead of praising and singing and dancing to our ancestors, we're going to sing and dance still, but we're going to give a Bible message. And many of them all began to give their children Bible names. And so they would give their children Bible names and they would give a Bible message. And this was one of the passages that they just latched onto. And so every single time a baby was born, we, we read these verses over the parents. We read these verses over mom and dad that you will teach the child. You will buy them as a sign. They'll be on your house. They're, they're something they're going to know. And, and so that really the naming ceremony almost also became a child dedication, one and the same. And it was so cool to see them find these verses and just latch on to them and say, you know, we've been taught so many wrong things. This is what we need to teach our children. And so as these baby ceremonies would happen, as these naming ceremonies would happen, it was a still a celebration, but now it was a celebration of the truth they had found. And this promise that they were going to teach their children, they were going to bind this to their children. They were going to, again, it's on their house, it's on their doorways, it's on their walk. It shall be written on the doorposts. And many of them began inside their homes and their 
simple little rooms to write down Bible verses and have them all over their house. It was a beautiful image of a transformation that happened in people. It was a beautiful image of continuing to hold on to their culture and tradition, but yet honoring God in it. But more important, it was a beautiful testimony to everyone that showed up. Because believer and non-believer, people came to these ceremonies. And every single time they came, they heard the word of God. And little by little, you'd see these people begin to come to church, begin to show up on a Sunday and try to figure out what had changed, what was going on. And many of those people that first came to a baby naming ceremony over the course of the time that we've lived there and others before us and after us have become believers and are a part of the church and have adapted this as a way of life and are using it as a way to witness to their unbelieving family members. It's amazing how much God works and we don't even know it until we look back and be like, wow. So make sure that you're teaching your children. Make sure that you're binding God's word to your children's hearts. Make sure that they understand his words. Make sure that they're memorizing, not just as a checklist, not just as, oh, we have to go to church, as a way of life that without him, you literally would have nothing. We need to make sure that we're carrying this on and teaching our children, giving them the tools to go out and continue to live for the Lord and make a difference. Hallelujah.